Amen. It's good to be back here at, at church, and I think it was about oh, a year and three quarters or so ago that we came through here, and the Lord had just led us um, out of Harvey. We really weren't sure what uh, God had for us next. We spent about four or five months down in Florida, uh, Victory Baptist Church in Milton, Florida there, and my wife's uh, family is there, and just uh, was praying and searching about what God wanted us to do, and uh, I guess, in, in all honesty, I still don't really know how to put in words, but about a year ago, I was given a testimony at a church up in Nova Scotia, and I said, you know, we've been praying that God would lead us and guide us and direct us into his will and show us what he wants to do, and that night, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you're doing exactly what I want you to do. And I didn't know exactly what that was. You know, when God called Abraham and said, get out from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, Abraham did not know where he was going. Hebrews 11 tells us he went by faith, not knowing whither he went. Now, there's no church that wants a missionary to come in and say, well, God's called me to go to the, the mission field. I just don't know where he wants me to go yet. Nobody would support him. But that's what Abraham did. And uh, he went out not knowing where he was going. He was just following God. Uh, but a little over a year ago, the Lord spoke to me through this passage, and I'll just read this quickly for you. Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter number 2, if you want to look at it, you can. It's not the message but as I was praying, the Lord gave me these scriptures. In verse 25, he said, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Paul said of Epaphroditus that he was a brother, he was a companion in labor, he was a fellow soldier, and he was a messenger. And the Lord spoke to my heart that that's what he wanted me to do. And I, and I kind of was, well, Lord, what does that mean? God didn't give me a lot of clarity. It just, sometimes you have to just trust the Lord and do what God wants you to do. And through that, from that time, that was about May of, of last year, uh, the Lord opened us a door for us to go back into Nova Scotia. We spent about two and a half months at Albethel Bible Camp. Uh, during that time, we preached and sang in seven or eight different churches. We ended up on a missions trip to Quebec and Ontario, uh, preached and sang in three or four churches over there, ended in, in, up in some other meetings in the States. And at the end of the year, my kids said, Dad, you know, I think we've been in 19 churches since May. And God just opened the door. And this year, he's done the same. We have some meetings scattered throughout the year. Uh, we're still doing a lot of work up in Canada trying to help some of the churches and the pastors that are there working at the camp. Um, but also God's opened a door uh, for us to go to Mexico this fall in October, maybe over Christmas. We're not sure of the dates yet. We're going to be helping build an orphanage there. Uh, I just had a man ask me the other day if I'd go to Peru with him in January. And I said, well, as long as God provides, we'll go to Peru. Amen. And so far, God's provided every day, every week, every month. And uh, he's taking care of us. And so, uh, you know, some people might call it missions, evangelists, something like that. I don't, I'm not big on titles, okay? And uh, some people are, I'm just not, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but you know, Paul said, and Peter said, and James said, they said, we're servants of God. 
and servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the truth is, that ought to be true of all of our lives. We shouldn't need a title uh, to be in the ministry, amen? We shouldn't need a title to do something for the Lord. We all ought to be servants of God. And if you'll surrender yourself to him, your family to him, and seek his will for your life, there may be times you won't know exactly where you're going, but if you trust in God, he will lead you and he will guide you every step of the way. We all can probably quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. We all know that. But then he says, lean not to thine own understanding. That's, the, that's step one where we struggle. Well, Lord, I don't understand. Well, God, how are you going to take care of us? Where are we going to sleep? Where are we going to stay? We've been homeless for over a year and a half. Amen. So we'll bum a room off anybody. Amen. Um, our, our, almost no income. We have a support level that's maybe six to $800 a month. I don't usually worry about it. I just cast a check and put it in the bank and God keeps us going. He has met our needs in miraculous ways. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, he said, and he will show you his will for the rest of your life. That's not what it says. It says he'll direct your path. It doesn't say he'll show you the destination. It doesn't say he'll show you where you'll end up. Uh, when he brought Israel out of Egypt, uh, he had them take some time in that wilderness. He said, lest the people get weary of war and they turn back. And God knew their hearts because they did try to turn back a few times. God doesn't always show us what's down the road. He just directs us day by day. And so that's what we've been trying to do is just trust the Lord, let God direct us. You can call us whatever you want to call us. Amen. Missionary, evangelist. Loser, it doesn't matter, amen? Uh, we'll, we'll take whatever it is, and uh, we just are trying to serve the Lord and do that the best way that we know how, amen? So we'd appreciate your prayers for us as we follow the Lord, and uh, we, we'll be in two churches in Ohio this week. I'll be preaching a family conference in Alabama the week after that, and then headed back to Nova Scotia for youth camp. Uh, so we'll be real busy the next month and just pray that where we are, that uh, I would ask this, that you just pray that God's hand would be upon our lives. And uh, as we serve God, if there's one thing we need, we need the touch of God and we need the hand of God because he said, without me, ye can do nothing. So pray for us if you would. Ephesians chapter number two in your Bibles tonight and I have no idea what time it is. I lost my watch today, amen. I'm hoping it's in the car. But I see, oh, there's a clock back there, amen, a nice big one. Praise the Lord, it's summertime. I don't think there's any ball games on we need to get home for, amen. And uh, I, I'll try not to keep you long. I, I will try not to do that. But Ephesians chapter number two here, and we've read the verses, but we'll read them again. The Bible says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You say, what's wrong with the world that we live in? There's a spirit problem. There's a spirit that is working in all of those that know not the Lord. You say, what's wrong with our government? Besides the fact that the president's old and feeble and insane, it's a spirit problem. 
He is controlled by principalities and powers, by the rulers of the darkness of this world. Folks, there is a satanic agenda that is working at large in the world now in which we live. Amen? I'm telling you, that trumpet's about to sound, and we need to get ready. But he said, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up, amen, together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Amen. We still believe that. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can be in church tonight. God, we don't take for granted the freedom and the liberty that we have to do so. Father, I thank you for a place to come and meet. I thank you for the people that have come tonight. I thank you for the preacher and the years that he has served faithfully here. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that I have tonight to preach the word of God. And Lord, I ask again that you would help me, that you would use me, that you would fill me. Father, that you would guide my mind and my thoughts and my words, the things that I say. May I say only that which the Spirit would have me to say. Lord, may I, may I not hold back anything that the Spirit would have to be said tonight. And Father, I pray that you would move and, and walk throughout the aisles of this church tonight and speak to every heart and every life the young as well as the old, that they would hear the voice of God. And Lord, that you would speak to them and God, that you might move us tonight to, to go in the direction that you'd have us to go, to take the steps that you'd have us to take. I pray we'd not be hindered. I pray you'd bind the devil and I plead the blood of Christ over this church tonight. Lord, we have an adversary who walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And God, he'd love to distract. He'd love to discourage. He'd love to keep your people tonight from doing your will, Lord, and, and from taking the steps and making the decisions that you'd have them to make. So God, I ask you, please, by your power, that your hand would be upon this service, upon the message, the messenger, upon the listeners. And God, that your will would be accomplished in our hearts and lives tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach a message I've simply entitled this, uh, Things Are Different Now. Amen? If you're here tonight and you're saved, things ought to be different. I love that old tune, Things Are Different Now, and singing that little chorus. And you notice here in verse number one, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin." You say, what was I? Well, first of all, you were dead. Before you met the Lord Jesus Christ, before you got saved, amen, you were dead. You, did, you had physical life, but you did not have spiritual life. 
There are many of you sitting here tonight before you got saved and trusted Christ as your Savior and heard the gospel. You didn't care for the word of God. You weren't interested in church. Uh, you weren't interested in singing the songs of the faith. You weren't interested in the will of God for your life. You say, why? Because you were spiritually dead. There was no life, there was none of that life, that eternal life, that everlasting life, a living and dwelling inside of you. I like what the Bible says there, and you, amen? When you read it, God's talking to you. Not your neighbor, not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your parents, not, a, not some other brother or sister, and you hath he quickened. Uh, Paul's trying to remind them that they are alive in Jesus Christ. That word quicken means to be made alive. He said in verse number five, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. Boy, I'm glad tonight that things are different now. That, that life for me is not the way that it used to be. For 23 years, I walked in darkness and in doubt and wondering and hoping and, and trying to do things maybe to convince myself that I was saved and, and that I knew God. But I thank God for the day over here on the third row when he spoke to my heart and he showed me that I was lost and I was on my way to hell and I was without Christ and without hope and without God. And, and it told, showed me just to come to him and call on him. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But to do that, you got to realize where you are. You know why people don't want to get saved tonight? They don't realize that they're dead. Amen. Uh, they don't realize that they're a sinner. They don't realize that they need a savior. Uh, but I thank God tonight that, that things are different now, that I'm not dead anymore. Amen. There's someone inside of me that wasn't there before. Uh, the Bible tells us that we're in Christ and we have Christ in us. Uh, do, do you understand that tonight? Do you realize that Jesus Christ is living inside of you? Everything that you think, he knows. Everything that you see or you look at, he sees. Everything that you listen to, he hears. Every place that you go, you take him. Do you realize tonight, boy, that's a wonderful thing, but it's a convicting thing when we think about the fact that he's inside of us. No matter where you go, you can't get away from his presence, amen? And uh, listen, we, we need to remember that he's in us. The Bible tells us in, in Ephesians chapter one that we have the spirit in us. There in verse 13, he said, in whom also ye trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, look at this, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. What, what is that? Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. You know what the Holy Spirit is in your life? He's the down payment on that, that, that eternal life that God has given you. He's a down payment on your salvation. You say, what does that mean? You haven't received it all yet, amen? Boy, boy as good as it is, it's gonna get even better, amen? As they say down south, it's gonna get gooder and gooder and gooder, amen? Boy, eye hath not seen, nor, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We can't even begin to comprehend how much better it's gonna be someday in heaven. Amen? Uh, listen, I'm glad tonight that things are different now. 
Look, friend, listen, if you're here tonight and you're saved, you shouldn't be dead. Boy, sometimes I wonder if we're not looking at a bunch of dead people. You know, dead people don't smile. And I preach to a lot of people and I, and I have to wonder because they sit there. We had a preacher last week at the meeting. He's a Navajo Indian, if we can still say that word today, amen. And uh, he, he's a Navajo Indian. He talks about preaching to the Indians. He said, I don't know what it's like to preach to people and they just stare at you. He said, you've never seen anyone stare if you had an Indian staring at you. And he can say it because he's a Navajo, amen. But sometimes I wonder if, if, if we're alive or if we're dead. Is there any life in you? Is there any breath in you? Listen, is there anything inside of you that when we, you, you sing some of the songs that we sung tonight out of that old-fashioned hymn book that starts to stir and starts to move you and puts a smile on your face and excites you and does something for your heart? Is there life there or are we dead? We need to be alive, amen? You say, how come the world doesn't want what we have? Because there's too many Christians living like they're dead. Look what he says. Look over at chapter number five. Ephesians chapter number five. In verse number 14. He's, Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. You know what Paul's saying to the, the believers here? We need to wake up. We need to get out of our sleep. We need to get out of our slumber. Jesus is coming again, Amen. Listen, one day we're all going to stand before God and give an account. We better wake up. We better start getting things in order. We better start serving God the way we need to serve God and, and not be dead, amen? We need to be alive. Do you have that life inside of you? Things are different now. Before I was saved, I was dead. You know, before I was saved, I was also disobedient. Look what he says in verse 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know, before we got saved, we were disobedient. You say to what? To God and his word, to his law, to his ways. We didn't care about what God said. Man, some of you were the roughest, meanest characters until you met Jesus Christ and he saved your soul and he changed your life and, and he totally changed your being, your personality, who you are. But there was a time we were disobedient and we didn't care about what God said and how we ought to live. And can I say tonight, if you're here and you're saved, that ought not be true of a Christian. Things ought to be different now, amen? You ought to sit here with a hungry heart with open minds and open ears, wanting to hear what God has to say to you. And not just sitting here on Sunday morning and on Sunday night and on Wednesday night and during revival meeting, but every day of your life, you want to sit down and you want to open this book and open your eyes and open your ears and open your hearts and say, God, what wilt thou have me to do? Lord, the way that I'm going, the things that I'm doing, how I'm living, am I walking according to your word? Am I walking according to your will? Am I going the way that you want me to go? Or am I doing my own thing? There's far too many Christians today that are doing their own thing. The Bible says the way of man is forward and strange, amen? It's darkness. It doesn't lead to happiness. 
It doesn't lead to satisfaction. It doesn't lead to peace. You can chase after all the things of this world and it'll just bring emptiness and sorrow and heartache and despair and destruction. The pleasures of sin, my friend, they only last for a season. He said, in time past, we walked according to the course of this world. But now as a child of God, things ought to be different. We ought to be going a different direction. We ought to be on a different path. We ought to be walking down a new highway. Amen. We ought to be following a new savior, amen? Someone else ought to be directing our lives and steering our ship where we're going, navigating for us. He said, in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, but I'm afraid for far too many today that their, their, past time, or their time past has become their pastime. Too many Christians have fallen back into the things they used to do, living the way they used to live, but they've got their salvation, their security blanket. They've got their church that they attend on occasion to satisfy their conscience. They put a little money in the offering plate to make them feel better about what they're doing and how they're living. They're walking according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children. I wonder tonight, friend, what spirit, what spirit is guiding you? What spirit is leading the decisions you're making? What spirit is leading you as you rear your children? What spirit is controlling the thoughts in your mind, the things in your heart? What spirit's controlling the things that you're watching on the screen, whether it's the big screen or the dangerous one, the small screen? What spirit's controlling that tonight? God's spirit or the one that used to have you bound? The one that walks according to the course of this world. He said, in time past, we were disobedient. That ought not be a characteristic of a child of God. Well, I know every once in a while, we don't do the things that God wants us to do. But that should not be a characteristic of our daily life. We, we need to get in the word of God and find out what he wants us to do and do it. You say, how do I do that? Read what it says, one verse at a time. And then say, Lord, help me. I was reading through Proverbs the other day. I think it was chapter 18 and the Lord just, every verse I was reading, it just, I had to kind of stop and think about what it said and then I'd say, Lord, help me to do that. And I read the next verse and I say, man, Lord, I need that. Help me to do that. And I think probably 75% of those verses that I read, I had to stop and say, Lord, would you help me do that? God, I can't do that on my own. And the old man, the old nature wants to do its own thing. But God, would you help me to be surrendered and obedient to do the things that you want me to do? In the past, I was disobedient. Number three, in the past, I was defiled and dirty. He said, among whom also, verse three, we all. See, nobody's exempt. Don't sit there tonight and kid yourself and think, well, not me. We're good at pointing the finger. We're good at taking the sermon notes for somebody else. But you know what he said? Among whom we all, we all had our conversation. That's talking about your lifestyle, how you lived. We all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. See, he puts that all, he said, in the past, before we were saved, before we knew Christ, uh, we, we lived according to the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's what we used to do. But by the grace of God, that's not what we do anymore. We hope. But too often many are fulfilling, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, the desires of the mind. Listen, if your mind is not in tune with the word of God and controlled by the spirit of God, you better watch out what's going on in your mind. People say, well, I think I need to do this. Well, I just, I just feel in my heart that that's the right decision. The Bible says your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your mind and your heart can deceive you. You better make sure what you're thinking and what you're feeling in your heart lines up with the word of God. You know, the big excuse today, well, I don't see what's wrong with. You know why you don't see what's wrong with it? Because it doesn't bother your flesh. In reality, it makes your flesh happy. It makes your flesh feel good. Well, I don't see what's wrong with that music. That's because you're listening to your flesh. I don't see what's wrong with dressing that way. That's because you're listening to your flesh. You know, we used to believe this kind of stuff in our churches. And we're letting go of this stuff for the sake of gaining a crowd. A Christian shouldn't be listening to the world's music. A Christian shouldn't be wearing the world's clothes, men or women. Guys, they got some stuff out there today that make you look like a fruitcake. And it all designed by a fruitcake. Why would you put it on your body? Well, it's in style. It's in the men's department. Yeah, that's what some fruitcake said it was. Some queer fashion designer. Is it okay to say that? That's what they are. Some fruitcake fashion designer making clothes saying this is for a man and it looks like it ought to be for a woman and this is for a woman and it looks like it ought to be for a man. You know what has been going on for decades? Satan has been blending the sexes in our society. So now when a man wants to turn into a woman and a woman wants to turn into a man, everybody seemingly is okay with that because he's destroyed the distinction that God made back in Genesis when he created them male and female. And there's a difference. Look in the mirror when you get out of the shower, amen, and you'll figure out what you are. When you're born, you're born boy blue, or a girl pink, amen, and there's not anything else. But you know what he does very, very discreetly, very, very slyly, he has deceived us. All these things are okay. All these things are becoming acceptable. And we're dirty. And we're defiled. And that ought not be true of God's people who've been washed in the blood. Who've been cleansed of every sin. He, he hung on that cross and he shed his blood to pay for all your sins, past, present, and future. But that doesn't mean you can live any way that you want. You can do whatever you want to do. If that's the way you're living, you might as well go be a Catholic. Go to the priest. I was talking to a Catholic man about a month or so ago, and he said he was raised Catholic, but he said, I never understood it. He's got more common sense than most people. He said we could live however we wanted, do whatever we wanted to do. And then we could just go tell the priest and he'd absolve us of it all. 
He said, that just doesn't make sense to me. I said, you have more sense than most. And I got to give him the gospel and, and be a witness to him. But I'm telling you, we're losing that in Bible-believing, independent, Baptist-preaching churches. We're, we're, we're letting all the lines be blurred, and we don't even realize it. And we're getting dirty, and we're getting defiled. Friend, I'm not trying to hurt you tonight. I'm trying to help you. Because people are walking down a road deceived, not even paying attention. Most Christians today are just going around like this, 24-7, having their minds influenced. Don't tell me it's a Bible app. And don't bring your Bible app to church. Bring your Bible. Then you won't be tempted to play your games or look at the news, amen, or whatever else you do. But they're being deceived. They're, the, the Satan is planting seeds in your mind and in your heart. And we get into church and we're so confused about what God wants us to do. And, and all of these things, we're so messed up in our minds because we're filling it with garbage. We're defiling ourselves. We're dirty. We need to be washed. Amen. Thank God, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if you're here tonight and you're saved, you can get it all under the blood. You, you could crawl down on this altar tonight and confess your sin or whatever it is in your life that you're struggling with and God will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will wipe the slate clean, but you have to humble yourself before him and say, Lord, I haven't been doing what you want me to do. Lord, Lord uh, there's some things in my life that ought not be there. God, would you forgive me? I confess it to you, Lord. And if you'll do that, he's faithful, amen? He's just. You know what that means? He, he is, he is uh, a right according to to God and his word to forgive you of your sin. Faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You know, the best thing that can happen in the life of any believer outside of the day you got saved is days in your life when you just come and humble yourself before the Lord and get things right, get cleaned up. And we come to, we come to church awfully stinky, not in the flesh, we, we know how to wash the body, but how come it is we don't wash the spirit? We don't wash our minds. The Bible talks about the washing of water of the word. How come we're supposed to cleanse ourselves, he says in James, of all filthiness of the flesh? We get out there and we fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind and we need to get in the word of God and get on our knees and get under the blood and cleanse ourselves. Church would be a whole lot different today. I think our country would be in a whole lot different shape if God's people would start coming to the house of God clean. If before we went to bed at night, we get on our knees and get cleaned up. And when we get up in the morning, clean ourselves up again. And in the, in the daytime, David said, evening and morning and at noon, will I pray and cry aloud? You know, I think David realized he needed to clean up and clean up often. I'm a bit of a germaphobe, I'll be honest. I don't like to be dirty. We were at that camp meeting last week and they've got a mess hall in there for where everybody comes to eat and it was muggy and it was raining and there's no air conditioning and people in there eat and you walk in and it's about 20 degrees hotter in the building than it was outside. And I'm thinking, man, I'm just breathing in diseases, amen? I wish Dr. Fauci was right. I'd put on three masks. 
won't do any good for you anyway, amen? Listen, we, we, we're so concerned about cleansing our, our bodies. What about our minds and our hearts and our spirits? See, see, that ought to be a thing of the past. Before we were saved, we were dirty and defiled. But friend, that ought not be true tonight of one of God's children. Boy, I love my children. I can't believe as I look down here tonight, they're all grown up. Two of my boys are married. I've got a grandchild on the way. And I think back of when they were just little and, and you know, they'd, they'd come in and you love your kids. And sometimes they'd come in and come up to you, want to hug you, and they get food all over their face and dirt all over their shirt and stuff falling out of the diaper, amen. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a second. Daddy will love on you in a minute, but let's clean you up first. You know why some of you tonight are struggling, sensing God's love in your life? And you're wondering, does God still love me? Does God still care about me? Does God see the things I'm going through? Maybe there's some things that need to change. Maybe there's some things that need to be cleaned up before he's going to come in there and wrap his arms around you. I know this, if you'll humble yourself and say, Lord, here I am. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities. Cleanse me of all my sin. Purge me with hyssop that I may be clean. Wash me that I may be whiter than snow. If you do that tonight, I think you'd find God's arms reach out and come around you and he'd start loving on you. And you'd, you'd know, you'd know that he is. Dirty, defiled, that's, that's the way things used to be. But thank God, hopefully tonight, that's not the way it is now. You know, before we were saved, we, I see here we were destitute of God. Look at verse number 12. Oh, verse 11, let's read that. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. You know what we were? We were destitute of God. We didn't know him. You know, there's people today, they have no idea who God is because they're living exactly what Ephesians chapter two is describing. They've never trusted Christ as their savior. They've never, they've never received the gospel. Many have never even heard the gospel. Many in our con this country today, in this town, you, you, you mentioned God? Who's God? Some superhero? Like, they don't know. And before we were saved, you know, we didn't know God. But I hope now that you've trusted him. I hope you don't just know about him. I hope that you know him. I hope that you walk with him. I hope that you talk with him. I hope that you fellowship with him. I hope that you listen to his voice. I hope that he speaks to your heart. I hope that you, you talk back to him, praying always with all prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, letting your requests be made known unto God. You ought to have a living relationship with Almighty God. 
There is no excuse for any believer here tonight to not know him. You can know him just as well as the preacher knows him. So many people want to live off the preacher's faith or the associate's faith and live off of what God has given them when he's got manna every day from heaven that he wants to give to you personally. The problem is you won't come to the table. He's got a table prepared for whatever you need in your life every day. And you get up and you just walk on by and leave the table sitting there. Destitute of God. Do you know him tonight, Christian? I'm not saying, is he your your heavenly father? I'm talking to those that are saved. Do you really know him? Did you talk to him today? What did you talk to him about today? What did he speak to you about today? What did God show you this morning before you came to the house of God? What did he speak to you about? We just go on through life and we, he's speaking. He's always speaking. But we don't listen for his voice. Or we're trying to listen, but there's way too much noise in our lives. And we can't hear his voice. Destitute of God. That's the way it used to be, but boy, it shouldn't be that way now. Things ought to be different now. You know what else I see there? Before, before we were saved, we were doomed. Verse number 12 says, having no hope without God in the world. Do you have hope tonight? I mean, if you, if you died tonight, on the way out of here. You, you died before this service ends. Do you have peace? Do you have hope? Do you know that your last breath on this earth will be your next breath in glory? Do you have that assurance tonight? See, before we were saved, we didn't have any hope. Well, I remember all those years what it was like to be hopeless. And it just finally dawned on me one day, the Lord finally showed me that I don't have him, that I wasn't saved, that I don't have Christ in me. Listen, if he's inside of you, I'm telling you, you'll know that he's there. The Bible says in Romans, the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You say, how do you explain that preacher? I don't know how we can really explain that. I just know that when he's there, you know that he's there. Because he talks to you, amen, and he loves on you and he speaks to you if you'll listen. He convicts you if you need to be convicted. You know that things weren't the same as they were before. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And you know there's a change that's taken place in your life. You didn't turn over a new leaf. God did something and changed your heart. Is he in you tonight? Does the Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you are a son of God, a child of God? The Bible says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I wonder tonight how many are in our churches that have no hope, 
that are like it says here in verse number 12, without God. You can kid the preacher. You can fool your family. You can fool your husband, your wife. You can fool your parents. Some of us have been around so long, we know just how to put the facade on. But if there's something inside of you telling you you're lost, you better do something about that tonight before you walk out of this building. Hell is not worth gambling your eternity upon. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. You know, all these things are how life used to be for us. But thank God tonight, things are different now. I thank God that I can lay my head on my pillow every night and know as I talk to the Lord before I close my eyes and sleep that if I end this life in the nighttime, that I'll wake up in heaven with him. We were driving down the road today and the traffic was crazy and you know, a few times you got to slam on the brakes and all of that and that stuff really doesn't bother me too much but you know, something happens, I know where I'm going. Amen? I have peace, I have hope. I know that God is in me and that I'm in Christ. Listen, do you have that hope tonight? Are things different in your life, or has time has time allowed some things to get a little slack, to get a little lax? Maybe there's some areas tonight in your life that just you know not not maybe any major sin, but some things you need to sure up. The Bible says we need to take heed lest we slip. It's real easy to slip, get off course, get off track, get off path. We got to do an evaluation, not within ourselves, but maybe on our knees and say, Lord, how am I doing tonight? Lord, is there anything in my life that needs to be cleaned up? Is there anything in my heart, anything in my mind that I need to change? Any dirt in there that I need to get washed? Any defilement, any corruption that needs to be cleaned up? Maybe tonight you just you have a dead spirit and a dead heart and a dead will and you don't have the desire for God that you ought to have. Why don't you get on your knees tonight and say, Lord, would you revive me? Revive me again. In Psalms he said, wilt thou not revive us again? You know, over and over again in our lives, over and over again in my life, I've had to say, Lord, I need you to revive me again. Lord, I need to wake up. I, I need to get back on track. I need to get back on course. God, would you help me? But you got to be willing to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And if you'll do that, the Bible says he will lift you up. Father, I pray tonight that you'd speak to your people through your word. Lord, I thank you that you...